This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. If you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. Welcome to the show, JR. I appreciate you taking time to sit down with me. You Thank know, you uh, for having me, man. I'm grateful to be here, buddy. I'm sorry it took so long to get on here. Hey, that's how it always is. I mean, you're an author too, right? I mean, you're always always out there promoting your book and then you got your own page, you know, Recovery Revolution. Like, And what's your what's your book? The Addiction Manifesto. It's a, uh, I've, I've been blessed. I mean, it's won a few awards. It's about my uh, my journey to recovery. I kind of wrote it mostly during my first year of sobriety, which I I actually just hit four years um, in November tenth. Uh, so Congrats. I mean, it's been a blessing, dude. Yeah. So you spent that first year. You know, you were writing about your journey then. Yeah. How. I mean, a lot of us go into recovery thinking that, you know, oh, we just got to stop using. But then there's everything else that hits you, like, you know, the emotional, the spiritual, physical side of it. I mean, you're yeah. dealing with life without the, you know. Without the solution, without right. our previous solution, you know, now right. it's like, all right, now let's find new solutions. Right. So you to retrain your brain. I mean, I went through a lot my first year. I mean, I was uh, I had just pleaded into Charleston County adult, adult drug court. And I was, you know, having to deal with that meet, uh, meeting their requirements and then uh, working at the VA in a, uh, a work therapy program too. So, you know, I was, I was, I was busy. Which so was you, good. You had to yeah. Yeah. It's definitely good. It, you know, being busy in your first year is important because it keeps your mind off of the the mental aspect of that obsession that we have because the further we get away from that mental obsession then you know to find newer things to obsess about because like we're always going to be addicts we're always going to have things to obsess about even if it's something as small as watching the same show over and over again you know we're always going to have little obsessions and not even realize it so it's just about making sure the obsessions are not harmful to us and not making our life unmanageable and you know correct correct i mean it we our addiction puts everything, you know, in the forefront. It's like, you know, oh, I, I don't want to go to work today, but, you know, we got to do it. I mean, yeah. that's what I tell people. Show up, you know, show up, do what you got to do, do the next right thing, and 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 you'll get through it. I mean, that first year is the toughest, in my opinion. Yeah, it can be, especially, you know, it depends on where you're at, too, because sometimes the first year is the easiest because maybe – you're under lock and key a lot, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it's a real world for number two, you know, because now you're out of like a sober living and you're not being piss tested all the time. 
And I, I think people can, you know, they use that. It's it's a good way to get through the first year because they have some help. Because sometimes if you're in that long of a program, it's because you failed at the smaller programs. I mean, I was only at one program so far, you know, knock on wood. Um, but, like, I've only been to one re- treatment center. Have you been to a bunch? Um, no. The, when I first tried to get sober, I tried to do it on my own. And you know how that works out. You know, yeah. you, you might get a month two months, three months in. I got a thinking, few weeks, oh, maybe, yeah. tops, maybe a couple yeah. of weeks. Like I wasn't yeah. ever in anything more than a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I hit a couple of meetings. So yeah, I'm doing good. But you know, in the back of your mind, your addiction just sitting there, you know, just, just waiting for you like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing, buddy. We'll yeah. welcome you back with open arms. Yeah. Did you ever hear that expression that, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you're a meeting kind of guy, but I always hear the expression like while we're in this meeting, our addictions in the parking lot to win pushups waiting for yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's one of the things I, I quote in my book, actually. I mean, <laughs> we get so, uh, complacent in our recovery routines that, I mean, your addiction, it, it's, it's out there, you know, it's doing the pushups. It's, it's watching the game tapes. Yeah. You know, and one, sliver of opportunity to get back in your life i mean first first hardship you hit i mean what do we do we run right back to the drugs and alcohol and then just steamrolls i mean my last relapse i i was in a homeless program going through treatment at the va and what had happened was i was doing a the work therapy at the va and then i was thinking oh yeah i'm doing i was trying to do i did like 77 meetings in 90 days and you know, and then uh, someone offered me a part-time job on top of the, my other, you know, work therapy job. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. And then I, I just burned myself out in like two months, man. I was, I was angry all the time and, you know, ended up uh, catching four felony charges for it. <laughs> yeah, my last relapse was a doozy. Four? What, uh, I mean, what what was a big one for? Um, It was, uh, I had caught three second degree burglaries and one third degree burglary at a job at the part-time job that I took. I was, it was, I was a working in a vending machine warehouse. I was loading up the orders for the next day and you had Red Bull, you know, uh, you know, just, just cases yeah. of everything you name Snickers, M&Ms. And I was, I was loading them up in my truck after I finished work <laughs> and trading them for drugs. So what yeah, was I your mean, drug? Was, what was your drug of choice that you would um, go back to? It was, uh, first, I started with alcohol. I, I abused alcohol, and then when the, my tolerance got so high, high when I got out of the army, that I switched to hard drugs, and I, w- I kind of went through the whole, whole, you know, uh, uh, the whole spiel of, of of trying each thing. And the one one that got me was cocaine. It was, I mean, it, it, it first off, it was it it started out as as a way that you know that I could keep drinking. But then I was like, you know what? The, the drinking's not doing it. The cocaine's doing it. So I started doing the cocaine. I ended up shooting it, smoking it. You know, yeah, anything it, I it definitely with it. goes with the alcohol. Like, yeah. I feel like they go hand in hand, like, very yeah. well. There's, you know, sometimes people that are really into opiates are like, oh, I didn't really drink. But, you know, I think there's something to be said about the cocaine's like, oh, no, I was a drinker. You yeah. Know? <laughs> it's very yeah, you find, find yourself in the bathroom doing lines off the back of the toilet. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, no, I, I've been there, buddy. It's all right. I've been there with pills, though. I, it was the pills that I was doing that was and all the hole in the walls too. I can't even think to myself like what I used to do. Like, <laughs> uh, so you were in the army. How long were you in the army for? Um, I was three years active, five years in the reserves. 
I mean, I got out in my first time I got out was September of 1990. And I, I, got out early to go to college and I was going to a local college here. And that's when I started having issues, you know, adapting back to society because, you know, we don't, we, we aren't trained for it. I mean, I'm not trained. That's probably not a good word, but we, we aren't ready for it. I mean, a lot of us come out of the military thinking, yeah, it's, we're just going to, you know, take off the uniform and, and jump right back into where we were at, but we've changed. Military changes. you. Yeah. Mean, you see some yeah, stuff. You, you, you get trained for some things, but you don't get prepared for everything. Right, right. They're doing a, a, a much better job today than they were, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. So I, I feel, I really feel for those guys that went to like Vietnam. I mean, those guys had it rough. I couldn't imagine coming back. And they weren't to, getting much help when they got home either. Right, I mean, right. Be I mean, you know, it wasn't until in the last like 15 years, really, that vets were getting help when they got home. Yeah. Before that, it was like, no, no, we got you, we got you, and then like, we don't got you. Yeah, we ain't got you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, uh, you know, hats off to those Vietnam vets that kept pushing the yeah agenda with the VA, and now, you yeah, know, I always think blessed. about and who was it the V? Um, what was I just watching that Born on Fourth of July? Oh, with, with Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, yeah, that dude that he plays in that movie, he had a lot to do with the VA, I think. Did he? I'm um yeah he had, yeah he was like one of the first like you know um advocates for like disability like that's like that guy that movie is based on that real dude that wrote that book like oliver stone made that movie based on the book on the true story of that guy advocating for like disability rights and all that kind of stuff from vietnam vets i'm just blanking on the guy's name yeah, they, they they really did do a a good job of, of you know opening the door because we've been at war for about twenty years now and it's I mean you got so many vets coming out of service and they just like like me they they just don't fit right back into society. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. we go right back to the alcohol, we go right to the hard drugs. I mean we. we you know, we, we yeah. have to find a way to escape. And like me, I, I wasn't diagnosed with my, uh, see, I'm, I'm diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, depression, sleep apnea, tendonitis, you know, but I was, you know, running for, for like the first 20 years out of the military. I didn't know what was going on inside here. So, yeah. you know, what, what did I do? You know, went to the booze and to the drugs. Yeah, because, I mean, what what else would you know? Because you're, especially in the 90s, it was still like, hey, don't show your emotion. What are you doing? Yeah. You, you can't you can't talk about that kind of thing right now. Like, it, it was, like, groundbreaking when Tony Soprano went to a therapist. You know what I mean? Like, oh. a dominant male figure talking to a woman therapist. And that wasn't until, like, 99. Right. But I remember that being a big deal for – I was 13 – and that was a, a big deal to a lot of people at the time, the fact that, you know, this powerful dude is being vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's OK, you know, but he's also killing people over here. But he's, <laughs> but he's crying about his mommy issues in here. And I thought that that was really cool because it showed um, people like, you know, my father and men that it's OK to do that, which then tells people like me, like, Maybe it is okay to show emotion and to talk about these things. Right. So, right. I mean, you I, know. I, I've guarded my emotions for so many years. And 
that's one of the uh, the hard that was one of the hardest things in recovery was was allowing myself to be vulnerable, let to allow people yeah. in because I've shut people out for so long. Yeah, and it's not a matter of like our, what our parents did or didn't do. Like you know what I mean. Like my dad and I, you know, my my we said Jerry Jr. stands for Jerry, right? Right. Jay, yeah, J is for um Jerry for me too. I'm the fourth in my family, so my dad is Jerry, and my grand like goes by. We're all Gerald, but we all go by Jerry. So my dad and I are really close, but we didn't get we didn't we weren't like I love you close. Yeah. Until his until his dad passed away. And it wasn't until like my pup up passed away like 10 years ago did my dad and I really start regularly like saying I love you and we would like hang up. And it's not it's still to this day. It's more like a sneaking it in like I love you like as we as we hang up, you know, but, you know, it still is because of, you know, how they were all brought up. And I think my dad realized that when his dad passed, I go, I didn't say that enough or I didn't hear that enough. I wish I would have heard that more. So. All we can do is just try to change it for the next generation because right. what's exactly happened right. happened. I mean, my family was was just like yours. I mean, we weren't close. I mean, we were uh, borderline dysfunctional, and it wasn't until the last few years that we started saying "I love you." And and uh, my fiance, her she her and her family, they are so loving. I'm like when I'm around them, I'm like. You know, I'm feeling a little awkward, but you know, I'm 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 slowly melting that or pushing down that wall that I built up. To where, yeah. you know, I could say I love you back. Did I you mean, have bouts of sobriety throughout the '90s and the 2000s? No, I was uh, I was straight drinking. I mean, when I when I when I first got out, this is uh, interesting. I had a buddy that was getting out of the Navy at around the same time, and me and him would. He would come over uh, my house and we would just sit there and drink. You know, he'd bring a case. I'd go get a case and we would finish that those two cases of beer. And we did that for you know first couple months. You know, that, and this is the time that I'm trying to I'm trying to go to college. I'm trying to adapt back in. But I'm like, you know, I started drinking before classes, after classes. And it's like, you know, it got to the point to where I, I remember doing this uh, public speaking class. And I remember going out to my car before the before the uh, class started and pounding like like six beers. I mean, public speaking has been one of my biggest fears, and it, which which is weird because in early recovery I was asked to you know speak at vet talk, yeah. and then I was asked to speak at the uh, the South Carolina annual drug conference, and you're talking about being in front of you know hundred judges, solicitors, you know drug court personnel yeah <laughs> i mean but i'm like you know i could either you know run from the fear or i could stand up and face it and you know i think i did a pretty bang up job i someone think that has a, yeah. a a fear of public speaking i think the public speaking part is easier the more confidence you have in the subject matter right like right. if you were to if you had a fear of public speaking growing up and you had to do reports in front of your class on some shit you just learned you're going to yeah. have a lot more fears and nerves because you're really going to be unsure if this is even correct what I'm about to read. But if you're right, public speaking right. like at a meeting and you're just telling your story, you can kind of like yeah, breathe. Yeah, you got to just remember that. Like breathe. That's what I remind myself is this is about me. This episode is sponsored by MJ's Progress Not Perfection Meeting Center Association. We are in our meeting center where we do all these meetings for mental health and addiction. 
I can do this podcast anywhere. I can do this at home. I can do this in a closet. I can do this in a basement. It doesn't matter. All I need is somebody else to talk to about addiction and recovery. What I can't do from anywhere is help people with their addiction and their mental health problems. So if you can help out, you know, we do have a Venmo, we have a Cash App, we have a PayPal, we have an address you can send a check to. And, you know, all the money that gets donated goes towards rent, goes towards keeping the lights on, and goes towards keeping the internet on. So please, you know, if you can get five bucks, 10 bucks, 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Anything you can is so appreciated. And if you are a local business, if you're a national business, whatever, and you want to be a part of what we're doing, you know, you can reach out to me and we can talk about how you can be a sponsor. But I'll let you get back to the episode. No one can tell me I'm wrong. And you're all I got to do is just be honest and just talk. And I kind of just remind myself that and it just like breathe through it. It'll be okay. Because, you know, it can get nerve wracking, but it does it does get easier and it's really relieving too. like the first time you do it, it's really therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it, I mean, it's been great. I, I've my, my recovery has been amazing, man. Has it I always mean, been down in Charleston? Um, it has. But my addiction took me everywhere. Though. I was living in New York, Connecticut. That's Connecticut's actually where the the hardcore drugs kicked in. OK. Yeah, because I was all over my addiction, too. My addiction brought me, I was, you know, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, you know, it ended in California, Pennsylvania, but it ended in California. So I was, you know, all over the East Coast, though. And yeah, I remember uh, coming, driving back and forth between uh, Connecticut and Charleston for the holidays, and I would stop in every state and, and just, you know, as addicts, you could find, you know where the drugs are at. <clears throat> So I yep. remember stopping in Baltimore, North Carolina, you know, just just picking up drugs in every state. North Carolina, it was a. We were probably if you were what was it like Durham, Raleigh, Durham. No, it was um, it's Lumberton actually. It's a small place that uh, I think Michael Jordan's family was from there. I think. That's oh, the okay. Thing. So yeah, it was really random then on the way. Yeah, it was just a matter yeah. of stopping for some gas and seeing a guy say, "Hey, we gotta uh, get yeah. some." And, you know, following him, you know, not, not knowing anyone, like, you know, but, you know, that's, that's addiction. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. Have, um, now, have you, but you've been in Charleston for your sobriety, though, for your recovery, for, for right. all your recovery. Okay. Um, have you, uh, this is off topic, but have you met Bill Murray yet? No, 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 no. I've heard, I've heard, uh, um, Chevy Chase. Is it Chevy Chase or Bill Murray? Bill Murray has the baseball team. The in uh the River Dogs or whatever. Oh, River that's, Dogs. Okay. Th that's his baseball team that he owns, and he lives around there, and he just like shows up all over the place around Charleston. Yeah. So, him. actually, who did I have on the show besides you? Um, I think it was somebody Josh. that isn't. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There's a few people, and then Jeff. Jeff's been on here too. Yeah. Because Jeff's yeah, got a Jeff show. Rivers? Yeah. That's my. Yeah. That's my dog right there. Actually, when did you start Recovery Revolution? So your Facebook page—that's that's a huge following now. When did you start that? Um, I started it uh, about a year into my sobriety, as as a, as a way to give something back with a social platform through social media. And it was—I remember uh, me and my uh, my fiance, we were sitting down, and I was, I was I was trying all different types of pages. You know, I was like, no, it's got to be a public page. You know, it's, I don't want to do the private thing. I mean, because because I believe in recovering out loud. So it was just me and her starting it off. And, you know, we invited all our Facebook friends and, you know, 
and then slowly it it just started taking off. I mean, we we would search, you know, it was like it was almost like a part-time job running it in the beginning. Yeah. Grow it. But, you know, over time, you know, I would I would see people posting some amazing stuff and I would invite them to be an admin on the page. And, and I've been blessed to have some amazing uh, admins. I mean, I don't know. You know, Chrissy? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I saw her. I was, I was reading her post. You know, I recruited her. I mean, Heather, yeah, that's right. Chrissy, yeah, because she uh, was Christine. talking about I remember talking to Chrissy during um, recovery month. Yeah, about well, doing we did something. the recovery challenge. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Because my recovery, I cha- I did thirty episodes in thirty days. Right, right. That was my that. recovery. Yeah, so we couldn't even figure out a date then because I was busy and you were busy then too. Um, but now we're doing it for this at least. Now, so but you have a show on there as well where you talk to other addicts. We do. We uh we actually just opened up our, our own podcast. We do it all on Monday night. And we uh, Jeff has one on Saturdays at 7 p.m. So we, we do uh, this Monday. We have uh, New York Times bestselling author um, um, Anna. What is it? Anna David. Yeah. OK. Yeah. She's good. I mean, it should be amazing. So and it works out, though, because you're you're writing that book while you were basically starting that page. then, right. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It was. An, I don't even think it was finished. Yeah, um, December eighth, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, uh, it wasn't even the book wasn't even done yet. So yeah, we it's pretty much hand in hand. Yeah, so and I you're, the, plus you know, you're I'm still growing, which which makes it good because you know I mean I, I I was still pretty much you know in that newcomer mindset. So I'm, yeah. I'm dealing with life, and I'm writing about it. And, and to me, writing's been very uh, therapeutic. I mean, it's really helped me. You know figure out who I am so you never wrote before until you got no. sober then no I remember uh, I I didn't start writing until I was sitting in in county jail for those for those, for those four burglary charges I was like you know I've I've, I've bounced in and out of, of jail and prison over the last you know I probably spent about 10 out of the last 20 years in in jail behind bars so and, you know, I had this routine to where I'd get in there and, you know, I'd just get on there, play spades, work out, you know, gamble, do what they do, you know, normal stuff. But this last time, it was like um, God, it was like almost like God that set me down there to test me to see, because I was, I was kind of white knuckling my recovery up until that point. But then when I got to that last bid, I was I sat down and said, I got to do something different, man, because I'm tired of, of being in jail. You know, the whole sick and tired of being sick and tired. So I just picked up a pen, got one of them little golf pens they give you. They sh- you can buy in the canteen. And I started writing on whatever I could write on. And it just came, came flooding out of me. And I'm like, man, I felt like uh, that 500 pound weight on my back was gone. I'm like, I'm, I'm running around, you know, after I got like 20, 30 pages giving it to the other people in my, my, my cell, my dorm. And they're like, man, that's some good stuff. And I was like, you know what? That is some good stuff. I can't keep this to myself. So that's when the idea for the book came out. That's awesome. How long did you end up spending in there? Uh, about 90 days. And on day 90, I, my drug court actually came through for me. And they were like, since these charges were be predated before my drug court had started, where I pleaded in, they were going to roll it in. I mean, which we really helped me out. You know, I had to do some extra restitution, and it was like uh, my—I think I was—I had to pl- uh, 
I had to my plea like ten, I had like ten years, seven to ten years over my head. So that's when I started taking my recovery serious and started hitting the meetings and yeah. you know, took you know started listening more. Yeah, so you were, I mean, that you really jam-packed that first year with recovery all day long then, no matter what you were doing. If you were looking no at your phone, yeah, right. if you were looking right. at your phone, you were looking at Facebook Recovery right. Revolution right. page. If you were looking at your computer, it's because you were typing your manifesto. Right. If you were out, if you were talking to somebody, it's you were at a meeting or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my, I could tell you my, my typical day, you know. And, and your fiance is in recovery also. It right, she like. just celebrated five years. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, it's always yeah. my my wife and I have the same sober birthday, so I. I oh, know. do you? Oh, that's yeah. awesome, dude. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, my typical day in my first year was like uh, get up at five o'clock in the morning, you know, grab a quick shower, walk a mile to a bus stop, you know, catch three buses to get downtown to my work therapy program, and then after that, I'd have to go to my drug court classes. So and then catch three buses back here i mean my i i mean i didn't get make it back on most nights till after 9 p.m so my days were kind of busy yeah nice and busy and but also fulfilling though by the time you got back to the end of your day where you didn't you know your mind wasn't on like oh no i'm awake and how am i going to go to sleep (laughs) that kind of a long day you're going to be passing right out get a solid eight and start yeah i know i don't know how i i don't even know if i could do that today i mean i i (laughs) You know, my days have gotten a lot easier, but man, I, I feel just as exhausted. Yeah, but that first year though, like I've heard, I've seen a lot of people post and talk about like how tired they are, but I had so much energy. I, I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe about depends on what we were doing while we were in addiction. I don't know. But when I got sober, like I was walking like five, ten miles a day around LA. Yeah. Like I had, I lost like seventy pounds. I had more energy than I've had in a long time. Like natural energy. Yeah. Yeah, you so, started taking care of yourself better. You started sleeping, started eating right. Yeah, yeah, it's I mean, actually, it's, you know, sleep apnea, you, you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, I remember, you know, I was bad on Xanax, so, and and I was bad on, on Oxy, too, which makes your heart rate slow down to begin with. So people were thinking, like, I was dying in my sleep all the time because of, like, how bad it was. Right. So I said to my, you know, I'm in rehab now. And I said to my roommate, I'm like, my bad in advance, dude, like snoring and all that. And he was like, I don't hear a peep from you. Didn't snore at all. Like in rehab, wasn't snoring at all. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I'm back to snoring now. So I don't know what the <laughs> hell was up with that. being in LA had something to do with it. I have no idea. The no humidity. Yeah. So, um, but how does where did you guys meet then you know when you're because when you meet somebody that's one thing i'm sure was a suggestion that you went against was dating somebody in the first year or right, did you right. did you already know uh, her no i didn't know her i didn't know her. i actually well well on a some recovery page uh, she had posted that she was celebrating um her second year i believe and and you know, it, in my book, there's a uh, at the back end of the se- uh, back end of the book, I have like uh, other people's stories, their recovery stories. Oh, so cool. I was recruiting her, you know, trying to get her to get get to get her to write down her story so I could add it to the book. And you know, it just uh, you know started off with a simple message, you know, a friend request, and and 
it he's back and forth, you know, for a month or two. And then I finally got her phone number and we started talking on the phone and we would just talk recovery, but we would talk recovery for like an hour, two hours. Yeah. You know, so it was like a, a, a natural progression, but we really didn't, I don't think we went out on our first date till I was about 11 months sober, 11 and a half. Oh, months. that's good then. Yeah. You, yeah. And you were kind of taking, you were taking it slow then, which is good. You were just like kind of friends at first, like, yeah, first buddies. Three, four months. Yeah. yeah, it took about good, four then. months to get her to go out to uh, for coffee. She was definitely doing the right thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I mean, that's one thing I advise people, newcomers, that, that don't just jump in a relationship. That's like one of your number one relapse. Yeah, when I like when I met my wife, it, I was 11 months into my recovery, and um. And I told her, like, we got we can't get serious or anything. You know, I want to finish this whole year out. And then I went to L.A. to celebrate my one year because that's where I got sober. So when I came back, though, I proposed. So we went from, like, just, like, talking to, <laughs> to being engaged. We wow. just totally, you know, skipped that. And then I ended up drinking again, not with her, um, but over something else. And um, she was an alcoholic before we met and then slowed down when we met because of my program. And then we both quit. Actually, you do a thing on um, you you write for the magazine, right? Right, recovery okay. magazine. And you do birthdays, yeah. My wife and I have a really obscure birthday that is only going to be ever in your magazine once every four years. Really? Leap day. Leap day? No way. Yep. <laughs> what, what, what's your uh? What what day is leap day? Like two twenty nine twenty. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and actually it's really funny. I had a guy on TikTok message me the other day because it has my sober date, you know, in my bio or whatever. And he was like, Hey man, you're never going to believe this, but my sober date is two twenty nine twelve, And I've never met anybody in nine years oh, wow, with dude. this sober date besides you and your wife. Dude, that's, <laughs> that's the beauty about recovering out loud is you, you get all these people that normally yeah. But didn't say a word and they see you that you're in recovery and and, and you're blossoming your life's you know going on and they're like wow let me i want to be like you you know i want to you know i want to you know meet my my soulmate you know it's taking ownership of it you know too it's whenever we recover out loud it's taking ownership of it it's holding ourselves accountable for whatever right. we did and it's making it okay. It's making it okay not to be okay. It's okay that's part of our past. It's showing people that, you know, hey, it's okay that we did what we did in addiction. We can still lead good lives and be good people. Like, we, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to set the example. I mean, some, that's one of the biggest fears about coming into recovery. People don't know how they're going to live without the drug. I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, my whole life was centered around my addiction. Now what's my uh, what am I going to do when I sober up? I mean, but recovery is is like every aspect of your life. I mean, one of the <laughs> this is uh, one of my secrets to my early recovery was I had to take myself out of my own mindset. I remember when I was doing the, uh, the work therapy program, I would get to the hospital and I would I would force myself to say good morning to as many people as I could. <clears throat> and you fast forward that four years later, I'm still doing. You know, yeah. same, but now I know most of the people in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you get through? This is going to be like your fifth holidays, you know, in sobriety. How do you feel like like you get through the holidays ever being around people that are still in use or active use, relapsing around you, overdosing, drinking still? Like, 
how is it for you to get through the holidays? Um, I've been doing, uh, I, I guess I'm blessed. I haven't really had a, had an urge to use or even a, a drug dream anymore. Um, I feel I'm comfortable around people. I mean, it doesn't make me uncomfortable for, for like when, I, when my family gets together for Christmas, it's usually at, uh, a restaurant or something. And, you know, my sister, she drinks and we got some other, uh, people in the family that are a little bit out there and, you know, I could see it and, you know, and I talk, I try to talk to him about it, but you know how that is. I mean, when you're not ready, you're just not ready. I'm like, well, yeah, got to get ready soon because you got a court date coming up and he has (laughs) some big big boy charges. Yeah, that'll happen. You know, I think it does get easier too, like that obsession, especially if you do the work, that that obsession does get lifted, you know, and, you still regularly go to meetings too? Um, not really. I haven't really. I know I've went to about maybe two in the last last two months. So, yeah, I mean, I, that's something I need to get back into. Yeah. What do you do for you? Well, I mean, what do you do for support instead of like physical meetings? Like, is it still with like the virtual? Do you do a lot with there? I still, I still do a lot uh, on social media. I mean, I got the podcast, our our Monday night podcast, which uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on that one, and you know, I, I attend Jeff's Saturday podcast, and you know, I do a lot. Uh, you know, just I still post a lot on the page too. Yeah, because I feel like that to me sometimes like this is a meeting for me. Yeah, you, you know exactly. what I mean. Talking Where like. Yeah, exactly. Because there's, you know, our place is still new. There's still some times where no one comes to a meeting and I get my meeting for the day by sitting down and talking to somebody about recovery for a half hour. You know what I mean? So I appreciate, you know, taking time to sit down. All all your links are in the description of the episode. So if anyone's listening or watching, they want to check out your Facebook page. Would you have a YouTube channel also? Um, I do, but I don't really post there much. I just, whenever I do a video, I'll upload it to YouTube. Okay. And then your book's on Amazon? It's on Amazon. It's uh, available locally at a few books. Well, I guess you're not local. <laughs> so, <laughs> We're yeah. not local. Yeah, I mean, you could you could Google it, and it, it'll show up everywhere. Addiction Manifesto. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, Jar. Thank you so Thanks, much. JD. All right. Have a good day, buddy. You too, man. All right, see ya.